0: Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash Sports. That's Indeed.com slash Sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light.
1: by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner, gets up center. Perry scooped Corey Perry! Oh, able to shake away from Salonis.
2: All right. We're back. And uh, Jason's back. Jason's back <laughs> on the show. Wait. Is this the first show it's been you and me this year? I think it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's the first show you were either working nights. And I was just the craziest October I've ever had to deal with is like every weekend, every day, uh, just something new. So now it's just uh, Jason and the Canadian.
2: Yep, Yeah. Pat's right. in Colorado. <laughs> uh, if yep. Yeah. If, if you didn't hear on the last show, we finally hit Twitch affiliate because we actually – I've been using Yay! Twitch constantly this year, but it's still not set up yet. So if you're looking and wondering, like mm-hmm. Brett, is why you can't subscribe with Twitch Prime, uh, it's because we still have to set up our bank account, and uh, Pat uh, is generally in charge of that, and he's in Colorado. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll mm-hmm. hopefully get that set up uh, coming up soon. But we have a game to talk to about today. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Ducks <laughs> lost their third straight game to the uh, this time to the Dallas Stars, two-one final. Yeah. Not a bad game, but scoring, scoring seems to still be an issue, and an issue the Ducks are going to struggle with for most of the season.
1: Yeah, who would have known? Like our actual first, our only goal this game, would come from the power play. Another thing that's struggled throughout the season too. But uh, yeah, only one goal against Nashville when it didn't mean anything. Uh, only one goal this game. That's uh, it's not, that's not too good. We got to got to find offense somewhere here.
2: It's not like they played bad, too. I mean, we, me and Pat talked about this right. in the Nashville game as well. 6-1 was kind of a cruel final score when you look mm-hmm. at how things went in that game, and, and the Predators just took advantage of the opportunities they had. This one was a little bit more tight, but we had some, I guess, positive news to start the game, because Gooley mm-hmm. was back finally. And yeah. uh, we talked about endlessly how much the Ducks need him back on the blue line to mm-hmm. kind of... Add some, solid, uh, add some stability back there. Uh, mm-hmm. Jones and Comtois, after being scratched last game, which was surprising, they both were scratched, are back mm-hmm. in. Uh, making mm-hmm. way was Nick Delore, which is no surprise, and, and there was a debate whether uh, Devin Shore and Nick Ritchie was going to get scratched and ended up being Devin yeah. Shore. And then Michael Delzato gets scratched to allow... Uh, Brendan Gooley to come back in, not surprising because Corbinian holds is yeah. a right-shot defenseman, and uh, foreshadowing a bit, maybe our only right-shot defenseman <laughs> for the next <laughs> little bit, so he uh, he ed- ended up playing with Jakob Larson, and we got to see the Comtois-Steel-Terry line at least start the night together, which uh, we saw at the tail end of the Calgary game, they look really good game, together, yeah. Didn't get to see them, obviously, because come to was scratched in the game against uh, Nashville. But uh, looked pretty good in this one, too.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, like you said, everything kind of looked uh, pretty good. Um, you know, I was happy with the the people coming in i mean it, i thought it was you know time for max jones to just kind of have you know a little little sit back let's see what we can do better same with comptoirs just hey sit back see it from maybe a different angle let's try and get different looks in there and um obviously it wasn't a fun one to have to watch uh, nashville just kind of trounce you but uh you know it wasn't gonna be long that they would probably get plugged back in but uh, i mean those those guys are still somewhat impact players on this team that's going to score by committee
2: Max Jones still finding himself on on the fourth line Anytime he gets in the lineup uh, Nick mm-hmm. Ritchie playing on the top line With Ketzlaff and Kasha not that I understand Nick Ritchie kind of needs that line to play well, and he hasn't played bad. He's just been taking some bad penalties. He actually no. didn't really take any in this game. Yeah, but, not uh, today was good. <laughs> yeah, like Max Jones is either scratched or on the fourth line. And at this point, how is he not? How is it not better to put him in San Diego? Like, he I don't know how many minutes he, he played tonight. I'll have to go and check, but I'm sure it's around probably 10 or 11, maybe 12 at five on five. Mm-hmm. Like, what is that? really worth it to play him with jones or to play him with uh grant and Rowney instead of playing i think he moved up eventually to play with uh with steel and come
1: but come on like i mean i i think for the ducks at this point they're like they're pretty much saying like whatever's going to give us the best chance to win and i think max jones is in that same area of of level of Kasha in that he can create his own play. And it doesn't matter if he plays on the fourth line, it doesn't matter if he plays on the first line, he's going to create his own chances. He's going to do what he does. He belongs in the NHL, in my opinion, if he can just find some way to get that puck in the net on a more consistent basis or pretty much at all, then you're, you're talking about a guy who definitely deserves to be there, probably get even more ice time. He's just snake bitten much like the rest of that Ducks team is, but I mean, you know, sending him down and, and, keeping whoever else in there doesn't really give us a better chance to win i think it kind of hurts so i think he does sure. so many little things well that why not keep him up because he can at least help this team he can help san diego if he wants to too but i don't think he's going to learn a whole lot over there and uh, i think he's holding his own just fine up here he just the puck's just got to go and if it goes in we're not even talking about it they just haven't quite gone in yet
2: Clearly, like physically, he's ready. You saw a couple mm-hmm. plays, and, and one I think we put a gif out on Twitter of, of how he just yeah. – I think he out Klingberg off the puck. He literally just threw him off him, and, and we've mm-hmm. seen that from Jones in the past. Like, There's no question about him physically being ready for the NHL. Maybe – you know, getting getting chance on the fourth line, he doesn't really get a chance to show his offense on a consistent basis, and then hopefully, eventually, he can he can jump into the top nine. I still think one of him or Comtois eventually gets sent down. I don't think they're gonna want a healthy scratch them for forty one games this year, and and that that doesn't really help his development. Not that San Diego really helps it much more, but if you know, it's better to have him playing consistent games rather than rotating in and out with Nick Deloria. I don't I don't see. That happening for too long, and maybe this was the, the test game. They're both in there trying to see who's going to work where. Uh, I don't know if we see them go down when the homestand comes back, when they come back home, but I mm-hmm. can't see both of them staying up for you know another five, ten games.
1: Who would you rather see go down out of the two?
2: Ah, it's so tough. I mean, Maxim comes going <laughs> scoring his first goal tonight, especially on the power play. Uh-huh. I think that helps his chances a little bit. Plus, he's been playing in the top nine. Uh, I I would like to see Jones in a top nine spot for at least a couple games before I make a, a you know a hard decision on that. But if I had to take a guess, I think Max Jones is probably the guy. If one of Max and Comtois or or Jones were to go down, I think it would be him.
1: All right. Now, is that what you would want, or is that just what you're assuming would probably is most likely to happen unless something changes?
2: I, I would rather Jones stay up and take a top nine spot. Because I I just want to see I haven't get to, we haven't really seen Maxim come to one in the AHL
0: mm-hmm. and
2: you know we saw him there for, I think for three games on a conditioning stint with San Diego last year he played pretty good and then went back down to the QMJHL I think it's good for a player's development to go down there plus his buddy Antoine Morand is also down there and you can develop mm-hmm. some chemistry down there and, and get some confidence going. I think it's more suited for Comtois' development to go down and play in the AHL rather than Max Jones at this point because Max Jones spent almost a you know a full season down there last year and played a little bit in the season before that as well. So I, I would I would think it's probably better for Comtois to go down. And not that I want to see either of them go down. I just think with <laughs> the logjam they have on left wing, the fact that you have to scratch Shore and Deloria at this yeah. point, and that means rotating Jones and Comtois in and out. Uh, I, I think Comtois probably my pick if i had to pick somebody to go down
1: i, I i'd agree with you between those two i think uh, Comtois is better served to go down there to get some of that more of that experience i mean he's, he's he hasn't really played in the ahl other than just a handful of games plus the um a uh, little bit of playoff experience where max jones is he's seen it he's he's done it he's beaten it and he, he can play in the nhl um and then you know more to the point with um both of them is I'd like to see them both up there. If they start scoring or like the team starts doing well, consistently putting up more than one or two goals, then I think, you know, we don't even have to sit here and start picking apart, you know, well, who's going to come in, who's going to go out. I think that they uh, would do a lot better if, if the goals start coming in, we start winning by multiple goals in a game. They're not going to start touching that lineup too much so they, they can help themselves out or each other out if they all start kind of contributing a little bit more on the uh, score sheet.
2: We'll get into that more uh, in the post game because there's some injuries that happen in this game that might affect who goes up and who goes down. But let's start That's with true. the first period and, and really the, the first major play, which was the Stars' first goal of the game. Um, you could argue that both star schools were were pretty pretty identical when we get to it. But mm-hmm. Gurionov kind of breaks in on the wing uh, on Cam Fowler. doesn't really make a move. He just gets a little edge on Fowler, but yeah. not enough to really get a good angle on Gibson. And he kind of just throws a backhand that beats beats him over the shoulder this time. I don't know if Gibson didn't expect that. We, we've seen this. I think it was from Gibson. Uh, did Gibson play in the game against Columbus, or was that Miller?
1: I'm I'm
2: thinking that was Miller Yeah, Miller's first
1: game was a back-to-back So I think it was Pittsburgh and then Columbus I I think
2: Miller, yeah, Gibson was in Pittsburgh Miller was in Columbus, but it happened to Ryan Miller this season Pierre-Luc Dubois threw a backhander on net and beat him short side Uh, That was from a little Mm -hmm. bit of a different angle Different circumstances here, but uh, I think Gibson here is just a bit caught off guard that Gurionov was able to get a shot off and maybe not set in position. I mean, you're the goalie expert uh, on this podcast, so I'm <laughs>
1: that one. oh, thanks. Um, yeah, no, this is one that gives it probably wants back. The the one thing I looked at when the goal went in, um, the the backhand the way the play looked is it looked like he could have either gone like he might have gone around the net or might cut to the middle. It didn't quite look like he was going to shoot and a backhand is tough to pick up exactly when they're going to release it because they'll have their stick blade the exact same when they're going to try and hold it or when they're going to shoot it and there's just no there's no wind up for it like a wrist shot or a snapshot or a slap shot where there's a little back and forth a backhand's just it's on there and it's off. And you got to be ready for it any time. I look at goalies, and especially if it's a, when it's the glove side. Goalies want to have, for those of you who can't see it, unfortunately, but you know, you when you're looking at the actual glove or the pocket of the glove, goalies want to have that there. So if the shots do go high; they can go and move it up, and it's not that big. Sometimes when goalies start to move or they're not quite anticipating it, their glove kind of turns in towards their body a little bit. And when that happens and it's a quick shot, they can't get their glove and they know it. So they chicken wing and they bring up their elbow and hope yeah. their elbow gets it or something like that. And that's what happened. It just went right over. Whenever that happens to me, I go, like, damn it, I didn't have my glove up. And I, whenever goals go over like that, I'm like, damn it, I should have had my, my glove in, in the right spot. But when you start moving, you're not quite anticipating. You can't read a shot's coming. Your glove's in a bad spot. And if it's quick and it's accurate and high, you just throw whatever you can in front. But when you do that, you know uh, my glove was in the right spot. So he probably wants that one back. But that was a great shot. That was in a good spot. It was quick. It was accurate. Well, I guess good, him, so. thing,
2: uh, good thing with John Gibson, you fool him once, you can't fool him again, right? <laughs> yeah, mm, mostly. Maybe, maybe, not. Not, <laughs> maybe,
1: the same maybe spot. not. Not in the same uh, spot.
2: <laughs> okay, we'll say seg- we'll segue into the, the Gurianov goal, and then we'll get back to the Manson injury. Uh, Gurianov scores again. A pretty similar play. Breaks it on the exact same side. Pretty much, I think he shoots it from the literally the exact same
1: spot pretty yeah, much the same pr- one Yeah, a little bit
2: closer on the second goal mm-hmm. uh, and this one beats gibson short side low so not mm-hmm. over the shoulder this time maybe he thinks he's yeah. going high gibson was cheating a bit on this one because i think garyanov kind of potentially had a pass option across the ice he also had a little bit more room to maybe cut back in on the forehand so a couple mm-hmm. more decisions for john gibson to make on this one but the shot itself mm-hmm. was not great and I think Gibson was, I think, cheating a little bit to pass, or to Goryanov cutting back in on the forehand, or making a move. And uh, Guryanov goes with what uh, helped him get his first goal, and he just throws a backhand around net and scores a ninety-nine percent similar
1: to the first goal. Yeah, just location is probably the the only other thing. So I mean, if he's he's doing that backhand, and last time you got you know embarrassed. If he's able to pick up that it's the same shooter. Uh, you know, he's probably a little bit higher this time, trying to maybe be a little bit more prepared. But he could be seeing, you know, what are other options. The thing is, the back ends, no one really fires that many back ends. So it's not something that you're expecting all the time. And once again, you could fire like that, and I could go top shelf. You could fire like that, it can never leave the ice. And it could be the same motion uh, of the shot. It, it's it's very hard to read exactly how it's coming off the stick, where it's going. You know, does it have spin? Does it have elevation? And at the same time, you're moving one way, and if it catches you and you're not perfectly set for it, it will it can find holes. I think both of these just kind of found perfect spots where Gibson just wasn't quite set on the play. So uh,
2: Prior to that, we skipped over it, but Josh Manson ended up getting injured right before commercial break. He ended up getting needing to get helped off the ice. Looking at it from the first angle they showed, it didn't look that bad, and then they showed a wide mm-hmm. angle. Where mm-hmm. he ends up going, in. I think it's on Jason Dickinson to kind of pin him against the boards, and Dickinson makes a hard stop, and mm-hmm. uh, Manson just hits his knee right into the back of Dickinson's leg, mm. and it it looks really awkward, like it bends Ooh. a little bit <laughs> yeah. in to the side, and. Yeah, that angle doesn't look good. I hope he's okay. I think Eric Stevens just tweeted out right now that there's no further update from Eakins on Josh Manson or Andre Kasha. However, Manson was on crutches outside the Tucks locker room after the game. Not a good sign. Hopefully it's just sore and he doesn't want to walk on it and they're taking precautions at this point, but crutches are never a good sign.
1: Yeah, I've I've dealt with knee injuries to ligaments, ACL, and uh, all the the like of that. So I'm somewhat familiar with it. And it can be that where you're not quite sure or literally, you know, until you get an MRI to see exactly what it looks like, you kind of just have to almost baby it. Um, I've had it where I same thing. I couldn't put any weight on it and, and move very next day walking around wouldn't know that I'd ever had that injury Uh, yeah. most of the time that's not the case Uh, usually if you can't do it, you can't put weight on it next day It can stiffen right up and it's you know I I, I missed a month and a half of work once just from from playing goalie just tweaking that that ligament the wrong way So it can kind of go either way I imagine we'll get a much better idea tomorrow because once again, once I woke up, I was like, oh, yeah this isn't good. I need to get to the doctors. Uh, but I've had other times where it's been a little bit easier. But that didn't look good. The fact he can't even put weight on it, and the fact that he dropped immediately—you know—hoping for the best. But I, I'm—I would imagine he's at least two weeks. You know, if unless it's—it's a okay tomorrow. It's you're looking at weeks, not days, probably.
2: Yeah. This is this is you know, the way Josh Manson's played. It's hard to say this is an important injury. I think the only reason you can justify it being being a significant injury for the Ducks right now is because their right shot defense depth goes Josh Manson and then Kirby and Holzer and then you go down to the AHL and you're looking at Hunter Drew or Yanni Hakenpa or Chris Weidman. Like that that is their right hand shot depth at this point. And you could roll, you know, Michael Del and Hampus Lindholm and, and Gooley and Fowler and Larson and Holzer. Like you could do that. But then you're rolling five lefties, and and four of them are in your top nine, or your top four. Four of them are in your top two pairings on defense, unless you move Holzer up, which I don't think they're going to want to do because him and Larson have played together since the beginning of the season. Uh, I don't know who gets called up because it's not like San Diego started the season well, so it's not like Danny yeah. Hockenpar, Chris Weidman, or Hunter Drew have really impressed anybody. Nah. Uh, if if this forces Murray to make a trade. Maybe it's so early in the season that maybe if it was a little bit later in, I would say, you know definitely similar to the, the season the Ducks had so many injuries at center that they had to go out and get a, and, and trade for Adam Henrique. Different circumstances yeah. that season they were expected to win and, and a bunch of different factors kind of went into that. But this is a similar situation in in the sense that the ducks really don't have an NHL defenseman on the right side right now. And uh, we don't know how Josh, how long Josh Manson's out. Doesn't look good. The fact he's on crutches doesn't look good. Uh, if he's out for you know weeks or months like that, I think that spurs Bob Murray into the market where he's got to go. I, look I at got an at. idea.
1: I got an idea to solve this whole thing. What if we sign Spiza? Now I know it's far fetched, and he <laughs> used to play for the Ducks, and I understand going back to the Wild is a good thing, huh? Is he switching hands? Eh, I don't care. He's at NHL ready. Defenseman, So we'll sign him. No one will waiver. You pick him up on waivers because that would be ridiculous. And then we just plug him in there, fill the hole until Mansa gets back. Done and done. Yeah. Uh, t- too bad the Winnipeg Jets really want him. <laughs> and, uh, They'll take anyone at this point. <laughs> I
2: mean, I mean uh, <laughs> it makes sense now that I look at it. But I, I was so sure nobody was going to claim him. But now Winnipeg is in almost a worse spot than the Ducks are on defense. The fact that Buffalo is, is three a, just A right wild. The yeah, they're top
1: three guys. They're top three defensemen Truba, Myers, and Buffalo. So I don't know what this says if Buffalo's not coming back or if he is. And he's just they AWOL still right need now. that depth. I
2: haven't heard anything yeah. on him. So uh, yeah. Spisa is their new guy. No longer a mm-hmm. Duck. He was a Duck yeah. sort of for a, half a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not happening now. The Ducks don't really have have many options. I'm sure once we get the news on Manson, I'm sure things will heat up. Some people in the chat are saying uh, Julius Honka, who was linked to the Ducks earlier in the season. I believe he's still an RFA. I don't think he's signed. I don't think he's playing with the Stars at this point. Didn't play tonight. tonight. That one's a little bit trickier because you have to trade for him and then sign him to a contract because he's still an RFA. Or Dallas has to sign him to a contract and then trade him. So that one's a bit trickier to go and, and get finished right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've got to wait, you know, you can't really make uh, you know, decisions here while you're in a fog. Um, so you gotta kinda figure out exactly what the extent of that injury is, what that timetable is for that return. Um, you know, with him gone, at least Gooley is back and so we have a little bit more depth. Delzado might swing into there and you're probably just gonna have to start playing left left-handed defenseman in the right-handed spot. And they did that with Fowler last year and it did just fine. Uh, once uh, Bob Murray uh, took over behind the bench. So I'm not too worried about it. Um, right now, their biggest problem isn't defense or goaltending. Their biggest problem is scoring goals. So uh, if they can solidify that, this team is much better and more responsible on defense from their forwards uh, than they were last year. So even with Manson down, I, I don't see it as big of a loss until another injury happens. And then then, then we're somebody, scrapping
2: around. They have to call somebody up no matter what. Because uh, they're running sixth defense, and right now I'm sure they're going to want to have a seventh on the roster just in case. It'll be interesting to see which way they go. Because if they go right shot, like we already mentioned, they have some options. Yanny Hackenpaw, I think, would be probably f- top on my list on the guy who could get called up. Just because, you know, he did have a bad preseason. But I think the potential for him to maybe look a little bit better if you throw him into some NHL action. At least, you know, we don't exactly know what we're going to get from him yet, kind of. We've seen the small sample size. You maybe know what you're going to get from Chris Weidman. I think you would be my second option and then throw Hunter Drew in there as well because I actually did like how he played in preseason and in, in, in the rookie camp. Uh, but if they're going to go left shot and just call up anybody, like Josh Maher is still a pretty good option to call up. I, I think he had a great camp. I think he looked really good. Uh, I think he's he's getting close to being ready to play for the Ducks right now. And if you're going to call up the best option, I think Josh Maher is probably that guy right now. Uh, but if you're going righty, then it's probably, you know, one of Hack and Paw, Wideman, or Drew.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think they'd probably, this would be my pick. I, I don't subscribe as much as either you or a lot of other people would say, oh, we need a right-handed defenseman in there. I was like, for me, defensemen now, they're so good. And, you know, you have a different ability to create offense when you're on your off wing as a defenseman. Um, so I feel get the guy who's a, either a more experienced or b higher skilled, better in that depth chart, put the best player in there. You can make some of the other ones play off wings. And I think they'll, they'll be fine with it. I don't think it's going to be that bad of Manson's out for, you know, four months. Then obviously it's a much longer term thing. We got to figure out, okay, at some point we will probably got to do this, but if it's just something to fill that hole for a little while, then I think, uh, just calling up your best, most able defenseman to jump into that.
2: According to uh, Shane in the chat, the most able defenseman is uh, Randy Carlisle. He's waiting in the wings. <laughs> know That's where at, he's been. He's been training. He's been working hard. He's been uh, waiting uh, for this moment. I, yeah. I think he's a right shot defenseman. <laughs> I don't yeah. care. Throw him in
1: there. Yeah, yeah well, might as well. The worst thing that could happen is he gets injured. Uh, he's but got a Norse trophy yeah. on his resume. I, I you know what? He any doesn't, even does doesn't even have to wear a helmet. doesn't even have nope. to wear a helmet. He's there still grandfathered know. into it. <laughs>
2: All right. Uh, Second period, Ducks get their first goal. Radulov goes off for slashing. Maxim Comtois gets his first power play goal of his career, first goal of the season. Kind of gifted to him a bit. It was a great play by Sam Steele to keep the puck in, get it to a spot where he can get a pass over to Nick Ritchie. Uh, Nick Ritchie kind of flubs on it and then just kind of throws it into the net, whiffs on it, and it lands right to Maxim Comtois, who's got an empty net to just shovel it into, takes a couple whacks at it, and it ends up finding the back of the net. Uh, Great to see him get on the board. Because mm-hmm. he's been scratched a couple games, he you know he's getting back into the lineup after being scratched against Nashville. He got to play with uh, Steele and Terry, which we're excited about. He gets some power play time on the second mm-hmm. unit. And, uh, man, he, he, he looked pretty good. I, I know this is, you know, not the greatest goal, not the prettiest goal, but this is kind of yeah. the area you expect Maxim Kampoua to be. He's a big kid. And on the power play, I think that, that area suits him well to be on uh, that in front of the net, especially when you got three lefties. Like, that's it's yeah. an awkward power play unit to sit up to begin with. I think fa- uh, part of that is the fact that Andre Casha was injured at that point. And wasn't in yeah. the game, so they had Nick Ritchie, uh, Sam Steele, and Maxim Comtois in there. So it makes it really hard to have a one-timer, and I think they wanted Sam Steele to be that kind of roaming playmaker. But mm-hmm. uh, great for Maxim Comtois to use his size to his advantage and get in the front of the net and, and put that in and, and get the Ducks within one.
1: Yeah, um, you, you said you know he's kind of gifted that. I think uh, Dallas, uh, a lot of things went wrong. Uh, with that particular play and a lot of things just went the right way for uh, gumtow to be able to get that. You know, first off is everyone watching Steele you know, not taking anything away from Steele. He did a good job of keeping the puck and keeping his feet moving. He didn't really slow down or stop or anything. So it was almost like just one consecutive play where he just kind of went all the way, you know, around or through the, uh, the the center of the ice, able to find Richie. And then this is where everything kind of goes uh, Gumtwa's way. All Dallas players just look at Richie, and they all just focus on him. Everyone kind of forgets that Comtois is right there at the, the top of the crease, almost kind of in the, the back door area. But then Richie kind of throws it at the net. I think it hits the, the defenseman's stick. It goes right to the skate. This is where Comtois does a good thing. He kicks, you know, he's able to get it off his skate and still be able to bat it in, you know, uh, push it across the line. Because I have a feeling if that goes off the skate and he doesn't get a stick on it, they start doing a review if he kicked it in. And knowing the duck's luck, that would get called back. So he did a good job. Uh, He was able to kick it, you know, forward and be able to kind of hit it in. So no controversy on that one. So a lot of things went right. um, And I think really Steele kind of is the one who facilitated pretty much the entire play. And Richie not shooting very well.
2: He's still looking like the the best of the young players in the Ducks this season for me. I mentioned on the show with Pat yesterday, and and he was surprised that I picked – Sam Steele is the best-looking uh, young guy, and that includes Maxim Comtois, Troy Terry, and Max Jones on the season. Mm-hmm. But I just think his poise and, and his you know ability on play, especially with like that play there to you know wade it off, uh, skate into the corner, spin around, and throw a, a pass across the ice to Nick Ritchie. I really haven't seen that from anybody else. I, I like the physicality from Max Jones. I like the effort that I've seen from Maxim Comtois. Troy Terry I've been a little bit disappointed in, but he's had a couple good shifts up. here and there in the last couple games. But Sam Steele just seems to have solid game after solid game. Doesn't always get on the score sheet. He does tonight. I think he's up to three points, which is, uh, you know, Comtois has yeah. two, I think, now. Two. Max yeah. Jones has one, and Troy Terry still has one. So yeah. uh, I, I still have to give the edge to Sam Steele. I've liked what I've seen from him.
1: I would just based on on the fact that he has had um, more success I mean, a lot of his success is also due to the fact that he's got, it seems like at least good chemistry on the power play with Getzloff. Um, and, you know, he's got two power play points, uh, two assists. Uh, yeah, Terry's been a dis- kind of a disappointment. I'm, I'm hoping it's a slow start, but, you know, he wasn't really lighting it up last year. I mean, he had some good chances, uh, but he seems very one-dimensional. One like, every now and again, he shows like he has it, but he just can't seem to beat anybody one-on-one. And he doesn't really have the size or tenacity. And so he's kind of in the area. He's kind of making shots, but they're kinda of not going in either. Uh Max Jones, I think, is more suited for what we need, and that's why I like him. But I would say, yeah, Sam Steele has played uh overall better than all the other three. Um, so he looks a little bit more NHL ready or seasoned. Um, you know, moving forward, I think you see, you know, him he he'll, he'll be more of a solid pick to stay in there, especially given the center depth. But Yeah, I Uh, I
2: think so. Uh, Moving on to the third, just quickly summing up the game so far. The first was pretty even. Uh, Five on five was was average. I think scoring chances were both eight and eight for both teams. Uh, Mm -hmm. Shot attempts. The Ducks actually won the shot attempt battle in the first period. They lost it in the second. The Stars had more of an advantage at five on five, but the Ducks got their work done on the power play. Going into the third, it was kind of some more back and forth until obviously at the end when the, the Ducks pulled John Gibson, but the, the Ducks had some good pressure to start the first. The Stars kind of took back the game, and, and John Gibson had to make a, a really good save to keep the Ducks in it. I think yeah, Radek Oscar, Faxa, yeah. Faxa was the guy who had the breakaway, and uh, he didn't have a ton of space to make a move. He's not really a flashy type player anyway. So he just decides to take the shot, and it was a pretty good placement. And John Gibson, I think he either gets it with the glove or the pad. He makes that yeah. type of save where he stretches out the leg and puts the, yeah. puts the glove on top of the pad <laughs> yeah. so yeah. he can kind of you know cover that uh, bottom corner of the net. But uh, yeah. good save by John Gibson nonetheless. I think probably one of his best of the game too.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know it's not unusual, again, to just see John Gibson have those types of saves that most goalies don't really have in their arsenal – You know, a lot of other goalies will just be follow this structure. And what's great about John Gibson is his instincts. Some call it athleticism, but it's just having the instinct of what save selection he's going to make in what play and how it's going to work out. And for the most part, he is so good at picking the right save attempt at the right time. I think he does it better than uh, I would, I would say anybody in the league. I think he, uh, that's not a traditional save that you make, but it was the one that was going to work on that specific play, and he did it to t. Had everything. Sagan had a lot of chances with shots. He's just gloving them like they're nothing. And um, you know his his selection or his anticipation of what save is going to work is uh, second to none in the league. And uh, it almost just seems normal uh, at this point. But there's there's very few goalies that do what he does. And a lot of times uh, we get a little bit like, oh, uh, you know. I mean, everyone thinks he's a great goalie. But a lot of times you just kind of, you don't notice those little things that like, wow. I don't know why he made that save or how he made the save. But he chose right and he did it right. And so, he yeah, that helped us out. And I thought uh, Ben Bishop had a pretty off game. He, he usually yeah. handles the pucks really well. He's usually, you know, they stick so to him. Yeah, usually six to them. Them and the whole team—it's quite a big turnover. When you get a a Perry that's only played for one team, Pavelski that's only played with one team—they're kind of veterans, a little bit older. And now you're trying to mesh with other veterans and trying to find out a new system. So you can kind of see a little bit of that—you know—taking a while. It's probably taking a little bit longer than they thought. But um, it wasn't until the third period when the Ducks really poured it on, and all of a sudden, you know, oh, there's Ben Bishop—he's making stupid saves. (laughs) Yeah, he he made a couple good saves uh, to
2: end up the game. But the Ducks didn't get a ton of chances when they took John Gibson out of the net either, and they ended up wasting the final 10 seconds because Getslaff, I think, missed a pass or deflected out and out of the blue line and and that ended it there. Uh, One thing I want to mention, Corey Perry didn't see much of him tonight. And, and, you know, people were wondering if the Ducks were going to be able to get up for a game like this with the emotions involved in playing against Corey Perry. I think it kind of was the opposite. I I think Corey Perry, and, and, you know, it's understandable. I think he struggled a bit in this game. You know, the emotions from how he's playing against, he's played with all of these guys pretty much. Uh, mm-hmm. last year at some point. I, I don't think there's really, you know, other than Nick Delorier and, and a couple of the new guys, He he's played with either a lot of these guys for, for a pretty long time or some of these guys for the last couple of years. So mm-hmm. I think it was a, a game he kind of sat back and, and just uh, didn't really step up. In. And, and I know he's not the same player he used to be, but he, he didn't seem to be engaging too much. I think it was an awkward game for him.
1: Yeah, probably. But, uh, you know, he, quite honestly, he looked the same this game as he has all last season or last few seasons once again like you said just you know not necessarily engaged in the play you know he'll he'll be there all of a sudden you'll see him or he'll be doing something and maybe gets a chance here or there I mean I, I, I noticed him as much as I noticed him when he was playing on the Ducks which is kind of yeah. why I didn't really miss him on not it's playing for the Ducks though.
2: So, yeah. he's playing oh, yeah. with uh, Jamie Bennett and, and Rope Hintz so yeah. pretty good opportunity for him to do well. He had a
1: good he had a good uh, first game. He had to have a what a goal, two assists or something like that, three was, points. Yeah, or something.
2: his third game he had a goal and two assists. And yeah. I believe this is his fifth or sixth game. He still had a goal and two assists. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope I hope the guy does well. I, I Me don't too. know if he's you know if he continues to get opportunities with Bennett and hints. I think the points are going to come eventually. Uh, but we we've seen him get chances <laughs> with some great players when he was with the Ducks, and, and I think I, I think know. his best years are past him, unfortunately. But I hope he does well <laughs> this year. Um, Post game notes: Looking at what we got, mm. we did have Spizza. We kind of talked about it a bit. Uh, don't know why the Ducks wouldn't claim him to begin with. I, I think it was San Diego depth, to say the least. And it's not like it really hurt them. And, I mean, they could probably use him now if Josh Manson's out for for any uh, extended period of time. I, I, where do they go now? Let's just assume Josh Manson is out for you know a couple weeks. He's week to week, so you know mm. two, three, four weeks, and into a couple months. We, we already kind of briefly touched on this, but do you think the Ducks stand pat? Do you think they go with what they have? Or do you think they go in and, and explore a trade? Because I think this is, you know, if, if the injury is severe enough and the Ducks are, are serious about trying to make the playoffs, I think you got to go out and get somebody.
1: Yeah. And you know what? They've been trying. Uh, it's, you know, you maybe want to, you know, get on Bob Murray's case about, you know, whatever, whatever you don't like him. The dude tried to go after Falk. Uh, that couldn't, come to fruition the dude tried to go after shattenkirk that couldn't happen he's like all right well i'll sign spisa to sign him and then he's gone it's like he's tried three different ways to get defensemen and he's tried for good defensemen too you know and it's like at this point he was just like any, any anything i'll take spisa i don't care I'll, I'll sign him let's take him and then he's gone and he's like oh my God. what does this guy have to do uh yeah because at this point um yeah if, if it's a long a long term i'd say anything i Anything close to a month or longer without Manson, that's where we kind of run into problems. Um, I think this whole time he's still trying to look for it. But once again, he's not going to do anything that's going to mortgage the farm. So at this point, everybody that he's probably really wanted to get is gone already on another team. So it's going to be depth, guys. I don't think they have a whole lot of room to try and bring in someone huge. I mean, they might go after you know the Dallas dude and see if there's there's something there. Uh, at least Dallas isn't in our division, so maybe they're a little bit more willing to to be able to make that trade. But uh, we're gonna have to give something up for that too, because he's a, a young, good prospect, kind of moving up. I shouldn't say prospect, but he's got a good ceiling. Hopefully, um, if it's anything over a month, I think they got out. They're gonna try and do something now if they can. Um, and even if it's not, I still think they're trying to find more depth, especially right-handed shots. So, but that the talent pool out there isn't very great for them.
2: I think too, a lot of the teams that are are doing bad right now aren't necessarily sellers. Uh, I think you look at the West right now, like obviously the, the, you know, the teams that are below 500 right now, the jets are definitely not looking to move defensemen. They just picked up Lucas Bees off waivers to, to try and help their defense. Uh, The sharks are not going to make a trade with the ducks. Dallas, we just talked about the only player really available from them would be Julius Honka. Uh, the Kings and Ducks aren't going to make a trade, and the Kings don't really have anybody on defense to make a trade for. Chicago, uh, not really. Uh, you know, I'm not going after Brent Seabrook, and I don't think they're they're willing to move any of their young guys. You know what? I think that's
1: something Bob Murray might do.
2: Uh, I, I think, if I can't remember correctly, but I believe... i got to know but, how much. Does he have no I trade? I think he still has. Yeah, modified. I think he has a no trade. I still think he has like four or five years on like a $6 million deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think that happens. Uh, Minnesota, yep. they just signed uh, Jared Spurgeon to a long-term contract, and Matt Dumba's not going anywhere, so I don't think that's happening. You can go east and you look at Detroit. They don't really have many options. Uh, Ottawa doesn't really have any... Yeah, but I I think Bob Murray's explored and kind of passed that a bit. (laughs) Uh, New Jersey and and New York aren't going to move anybody right now. And, and, you know, the the only team I look at still is because there's been rumors that Bob Murray's been looking at him before, but the price was too high, and that's Rasmus Vistelainen with the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, I think whenever Brandon Montour gets back for them, that becomes a realistic possibility for for any team to Mm -hmm. go after Rasmus Vistelainen. Uh, But the Sabres are 8-2-1 right now. I don't think you want to mess with that the way things are going. And it's not like Rasmus Ristelainen has been great for them. I think right now Mm. he has five points in in ten games, five assists, no goals. And that's kind of a bit down from him when you consider Rasmus Dallin has taken over this team on the blue line. He has ten points in ten games. So they don't really need him. And I think when Brandon Montour comes back, that's when they're going to start exploring trade opportunities. But I think you know with the the Sabres not in a panic to move them because they're eight two and one, and with the Ducks dealing with injuries, and you know I think the price would even go up from what Bob Murray was asking for in the summer.
1: Now that eight two and one record does that count them being shelled tonight six yes. to two to the Rangers?
2: I, I believe so. Yes.
1: So their only losses have been blowouts to the Ducks and the Rangers. Uh, I think because Buffalo started out yes. hot. Uh, but they started out hot last year, too, and then everything went downhill. So I'm not convinced that, you know, Buffalo is not still maybe skeptical of how their start is. So they might be a good good trade option, for sure, for all the reasons you said, too. So, um, yeah, I mean, Darlene's their, their, their cornerstone on defense. I think Montour, they'd much rather have him uh, as another young defenseman kind of cornerstone to try and build something around defensive core. So I wouldn't mind Ristolainen. Like I said, I think it's more in the Bob Murray wheelhouse to do a quick fix on a guy who used to be good offensively, and I think Mike Crane's probably... <laughs> it, yeah. it would be just such a Bob Murray thing to do, so...
2: Uh, Daniel in our chat said uh, Buffalo's apparently now looking to trade Marco Scandella. is Scandella, a left shot defenseman, uh, primarily played for Minnesota in the beginning of his career, has played for Buffalo for the last three seasons. Uh, not a bad option if you get him cheap. He's an NHL defenseman, that's for sure. He's a bottom-parent yeah. guy. I think he's better than Delzato and, and Holzer oh, uh, that you have right now, probably a little bit better than Jakob Larson as well. But it all depends on what you're going to have to give up for. Uh, three yeah. points in 10 games so far, plus seven, 12 shots on net. He's more of a, a stay-at-home two-way guy. He can contribute to the offense. His best season, he had uh, 23 points in 64 games back in 2014-15. Uh, maybe. You know, out of desperation, yeah. maybe, yeah, maybe that's did. something they do. But the problem, you know, I, and I don't even say the problem becomes when Josh Manson comes back, what do you do? Because I think you just play Marco Scandella with uh, Jacob Larson or you play Marco Scandella instead of Jacob Larson. Like, they're, yeah. they're, that's not really an issue. I think he still fits in the lineup no matter what. It all depends if they can get a trade done. And it, it, it's relatively cheap because I don't think Bob Murray's really in a panic to go out and spend a ton, you know, a ton on a guy like Marco Scandella at this point.
1: Yeah, and you know, this might not be a popular opinion, but uh, quite honestly, uh, Josh Manson has struggled throughout most of this season. Uh, whatever was working in seasons past with Lindholm, I've uh, just seen a, a lot of errors. You know, I'm always kind of hoping that things just all of a sudden start clicking, but he seems a little bit off too. And I don't necessarily see it as, you know, a huge loss for the Ducks as long as you got at least somebody who's NHL ready to kind of move in and they can move those pieces around because the only thing that they really kind of lose in that is the tenacity and the, uh, in your face style and being able to clear the front of the net. Um, you get that a little bit with Holzer, but Holzer will make more mistakes than Josh Manson will and not necessarily a much uh, better, uh, option there. So, you know, I, I'm kind of, torn between the two it's like yeah you know, I, you know i'd much rather have josh manson of old in there but if i had to choose between anything i'd rather have josh manson now but i just don't feel like it's it's as big of a loss other than the fact that we now have almost no right-handed shot defenseman that's kind of the biggest loss i think
2: yeah. yeah, it's going to be tough no matter what they do, and hopefully we hear an update on uh, Josh Manson uh, tomorrow. Um, yeah. Next here we got to talk about is Andre Kasha, because we've kind of swept him under the rug a bit because of how significant uh, positionally Josh Manson's injury is. But Andre Kasha also got injured tonight, and, and there's less um, information, I guess. Not like there's a lot of information out about Josh Manson right now, but there's there's even less out about Andre Kasha. Uh, his Concussion. His is being termed an upper body injury, which... Concussion. You know, which is not a not a good sign. I didn't see the play, but apparently he got in a collision with Rupe Hintz at center ice, and they were both down on the ice, and that's all I really saw. Uh, and that's never mm-hmm. a good sign, especially, like you said, with Andre Cash's uh, concussion history. Uh, I don't want to go out and say it is right now because we don't know, uh-huh. but uh, I will. That, 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 it's it worrying, you. right? It, yeah, <laughs> it, it's worrying because you know he has that history with concussions, and uh, the guy just can't stay on the ice right now. And maybe he comes back in this game and plays, and maybe he's fine. But uh, the fact that he had to leave the game as being deemed an upper body injury, we've seen the story you know, a couple times before already. And then he ends up missing you know, 30, 40 games and doesn't play into the end of the year. Uh, I don't know, if, you know. I hope not. I really hope not. But it seems like deja vu. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah the, the only part that you could see, because they never really reviewed it in the telecast, um, you just what you saw live and that was literally like all of a sudden like the camera's like watching something over here And then as the puck kind of moves across then all of a sudden like you see two players kind of sprawled around and one of them's kasha And then he didn't really play after that So my thought is that these two guys came together hit and especially if you're prone to concussions And just from what i've seen over the years if you unexpectedly get hit and that jolts your body That's where concussions tend to happen more often speculation on this side here, but um, the fact that that seems to be his major injury every year, it doesn't seem to go without a concussion for the most part. Um, To be all of a sudden, unexpectedly, like you're watching the play and you get jolted and your brain smacks around, you're far more susceptible to concussions after you've had one. And if you've had multiple, it just gets amplified. Uh, The fact they call it upper body injury and it didn't really look because he was on his knees when he was kind of skating. So it didn't seem like all of a sudden like his arm was, you know, his shoulder was dislocated or whatever another upper body injury would be. If it's an upper body and he didn't get smashed in the boards where his shoulder or arm looked like he got hurt or he got slashed. Other than that, you got to think it's concussion related. Now it might just be precaution, and it's just like, hey, let's let's really kick it back. You know, hey, this game's not that important right now. Let's just see how the game goes, and you know, we'll reevaluate you later. But the fact they kind of kept him out for that long, it's it's one way or the other. They're either being very cautious about it, or we got another concussion with him.
2: Yeah, and, and if that's the case, I, I think we did see, with Cash out of the lineup, we saw, I believe, Steele Jones and Comtois together. That means one of them was on the right wing. I, I'm not sure who it was. I would assume it was probably Maxim Comtois, because he's done that in junior before. Uh, that might be what we end up seeing, is one of those guys shifted to the right wing, uh, or you end up going down and bringing up a guy like Daniel Sprong, who would I don't I don't know at this point if he would have to clear waivers again. I don't think so. But you could, you could call up a guy like Daniel Sprong. You could call up Kiefer Sherwood, who's also still down there. Those are options if the Ducks want to explore it. Um, but right now, you, know, you got a guy like Devin Shore, who you could also plug in on the right side if you wanted to. You do have, again, like we said, Maxim Comtois and, and to Max Jones, who played tonight. So it, it might be an easy slot in to just plug in Devin Shore into the lineup and then go from there and just run Nick Delore yeah. as your 13th forward and just run with 13 forwards and, and seven defensemen when the Ducks bring up a defenseman. That that's a possibility to do to do what they want there. I, I don't think they're going to head down to San Diego just yet. But, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, uh, and, and it's, it's, you know we talked about Josh Manson struggling this year. Andre Cash has been the complete opposite. He's been one of the Ducks' best forwards, maybe behind just uh, Raquel and Silverberg this year and, and mm-hmm. what he's been able to do in, in creating plays and just being that persistent threat on the ice. Uh, he's a tough guy to lose. We say this every time we get injured, he's a tough guy to lose because he's always playing well and uh, this it would be just so disappointing for the player himself to have to be, you know, out for another extended period of time especially when he's playing so well.
1: Yeah, and if it's concussion related and you're talking about having three or four concussions this early in your career, you almost have to start, you know, I mean this is obviously going extreme and taking a lot of assumptions in here, but you know, at that point it's it's kind of like, well, damn, if I hadn't got those concussions, where could my NHL career have gone? But at the same time, do you keep trying to take those concussions and you start taking the Paul career route where it's like every single year there's some sort of head hit or some sort of concussion? And the way he plays, he is going to be susceptible to those weird, weird hits that happen so often, and, you know, at some point it almost becomes just, you know, taking a slap shot you whip your head a little too hard and then all of a sudden that becomes you know an issue for you and then you know concussions are crazy where you know it could be almost nothing and then it lasts for a year two years on concussions so there's something you always got to kind of take into account you know hopefully not because he is such a skilled and dynamic player and one uh, that doesn't come around too too often um, and you try and hold on to him if you can but at some point it's you know if you're just going to keep having concussions, then it's not worth it. So this hopefully is, he doesn't get to that. But
2: Yeah, this is hindsight and, and maybe a bit cruel at this moment in time. <laughs> but uh, do you regret not trading Andre Kasher for Justin Falk at this point now? Now, I mean, this this is circumstance right now, and, and, wow. and it's pretty easy to make my case with the fact that Ducks losing a right-handed defenseman and Andre Casual getting injured again. Nobody would have predicted this <laughs> <it laughs> at the beginning of the year, and I think 90% of us would rather have Andre Casual over Justin Falk, but uh, do you regret it? Like, you look at, if, if they had him I don't, you know, I don't if they had Justin Falk, no, they would I be No, I mean,
1: well, he used the word regret like, like, Oh, we really wanted to pull the trigger, and we just didn't do it. I think that yeah. trigger was pulled, and they wanted to make that happen. And then, just because of how Carolina's ownership, I guess, really kind of handled it, that you know, that never came to fruition, really or just involved, or, didn't just, or didn't Justin Fall just here didn't want to, didn't want want to, want to over sign here. an
2: extension, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, this was the biggest thing. Everyone's like, oh, no, they better not get rid of Kasha. Kasha's just the greatest. And I love him to death, and I love the player he is. This was my biggest concern, and that's why I was like, if you can trade him and get some value out of it, I was much happier with doing that, trading him, because in my opinion, once you start getting two or three concussions that early on in your career, it's probably going to be a thing that you have to deal with all the time. So I felt... It was going to be a much better thing to hopefully get Justin Folk or anybody else because I, I just felt at some point Kasha was going to have to deal with this again. And like I said, just the style of play is just one that kind of leaves him open for this thing to kind of continue. So, you know, I wish it had kind of worked out. Folk didn't want it that way. Uh, if we could have found somewhere else to kind of put it. But now if it's another concussion, I think teams are going to steer, steer clear. And this is kind of like we're we're stuck with, you know, uh, Dupre. fray. Where we got him and you know concussion, and after that it was just never the same. Another quick concussion after that, and it was just done. So I mean, it can happen that quickly, and there's just not not a lot you can do at this point. So
2: okay, let's get into questions. Um, sure, we're we're still you know only 11 games into the season, but Daniel asked, do you think the long do you think long term it would have been better for the Ducks to have another lottery to pick, preferably another top 10 pick? I think he means this year. Do you no. think long term at the end of the year, is it better for the Ducks to just get another lottery top 10 pick than try and scrape into the playoffs and see how things go from there? Uh,
1: there's a yes and no to that. Um, sure, would you love another top 10 pick? Absolutely. Um, who wouldn't, but, uh, you know, almost at what cost. And, uh, you know, I think we've talked about it before. The Ducks aren't in a market where you can continually be bad, even if it's for a couple of seasons. Uh, y- you start losing fans that way. It starts becoming harder for people, uh, you know, players to want to come over and play in. And, I mean, though we have great weather. Uh, you know, if the team doesn't look like they're trying and they're not moving pieces forward, then it's harder and becomes, a, a you know, maybe a little bit longer of a rebuild. Um at the same time, I don't think the Ducks were bad at all. They were just poorly coached last year. The style did not fit what the NHL is. It died the season before, and they just kind of kept limping along all of last season. The Ducks made a youth movement, which is great. And what's good about doing that is that if you if you have the talent, the young players to do it, you can transition from missing a season to competing for the playoffs to eventually doing hey well, now we're a competitor and now we got aspirations again to go to the stanley cup finals Are were they gonna you know go to the stanley cup finals or the stanley cup final contender this year absolutely not could they compete for a playoff spot why wouldn't you want to do that and especially with the young talent we have get them the more experience in the playoffs if you can give them that chance so tanking a season i hate doing that it might have worked back in the day where you know hey we're really bad, and it's going to take five or six years to really get back in. And you know, we'll need many, many first, you know, first, you know, top ten picks. But I don't think the Ducks have to do it that way. I think they can rebuild on the fly because I think they have a good transition of players. When you talk about Silverberg, a young defensive core with Lindholm and Fowler, uh, John Gibson, you're going to waste his good years, on, you know, trying to tank. And you know, how how great is that going to be? So, no, I don't think it is really good. I think compete as well as you can. I think they have an opportunity to still make the playoff in a division spot. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. But if you can get into the playoffs and you've got momentum, look at what St. Louis did. They were last in in December in the entire NHL, and they won the Stanley Cup. Get in. Just get into the playoffs and see where you can go from there.
2: I think St. Louis is a bit different because I think they were a hot uh, a team that was predicted to go far and, and they just struggled for the first half of the season. Uh, I, I agree with you. I don't think the Ducks should tank to get a pick, but I, I don't think they should go out and sell assets and, and try and add players, especially if due to injuries right now, to try and make the playoffs. I think yeah. you just run with what you've got and see how it goes. If they make the playoffs, they make the playoffs. If they don't, they don't. Uh, preferably, I would like another top-ten pick. Not to say I, would, I don't want them to make the playoffs, but I really like yeah. how this draft is shaping up and how deep it is, especially in the top 10. And I think the Ducks could get a really good player to counter with what they, or I guess to complement with what they got in, in Trevor Egress in last year's draft. I think they could go out and, and there's a lot of good wingers around you know, 5 to 10 in, in this year's draft coming up that the Ducks could go out and get a pretty good player. Um, I'll be happy with either. Uh, the only thing I wouldn't be happy with is obviously them just barely missing on the playoffs and finishing with that you know ninth, tenth <laughs> spot in the conference, yeah. getting uh, a twelve, thirteen, or fourteen pick, and then also not making the playoffs. I think that that's the worst case scenario for the Ducks at this point. If they don't make yeah. the playoffs, and obviously it's best to finish as low as you can, and, and try yeah. and get a, you know a better chance of getting a higher pick, because they're at that interesting point where they've got some good young players coming up. They've just got to wait for them to develop, and, and we've seen we have four of them in the lineup right now. I guess five if you include Brendan Gooley as well. Trevor Zegers is on the way. Braden Tracy's on the way. Uh, Benoit Olivier gruz on the way. Um, but you've got guys like Campus Lintholm and, and Cam Fowler and John Gibson who aren't old, but they're you know in yeah. their mid to late 20s. They're starting to get there, and uh, you can't wait forever. You can't wait forever yeah. for these guys to develop before you waste the years, especially. Of uh, Hampus Lindholm and, and John Gibson, who John Gibson is arguably the best goaltender in this league, and Hampus Lindholm, uh, you know, I think in, in, in some circles is a top ten defenseman in this league. When you look at just his ability, maybe not you know offense, but I think just <laughs> really I'd say maybe Strung not not year. over the last
1: two, the, this year or last yeah, year, but yeah, I'd say years years past. <laughs> yeah, so he,
2: he's still very good. You don't want to waste the years of those guys, and they have many many years left. But uh, yeah. it, it's a tough situation to be in for the Ducks. Um, Next question we had was from Yosip on Instagram. He said, if you guys could have waited to buy Corey Pia, would you have given him one more year to see how he'd work under Dallas Aikens, or do you think no matter what, he
1: was a lost cause? Um, I think he would have just stifled what we have. Um, I mean, you could probably bank. I would have maybe banked on the fact that Kasha was going to be injured. But at the same time, I could have banked on the fact that at some point, Corey Perry was going to be injured. He was injured the first part of the whole season. I mean, so it's like you've got a a much older Corey Perry, um, you know, although motivated by being bought out and, you know, approve me year contracts, even kind of keep up with the new NHL. No, I I wouldn't have thought to not buy him out and give him that one more year. I'd give everybody else a year. But Corey Perry has been on the decline for years same same thing with Cagliano I didn't necessarily mind the trade just because his speed is fine it's great it's whatever Uh, but at some point you know you're gonna need offense and neither one of those guys is really producing the offense that we needed and definitely not at the cost that Corey Perry was was going to cost us to keep him on there to block younger players from getting a chance in there so everything that happened is kind of I I don't mind. I I think that's kind of the way it just had to be, although painful and maybe hurts a little bit on the heart. um, He was just going to take up spots and cost too much money to do it.
2: Yeah, it was the right hockey move. And next year that might get a little bit more difficult to defend with the fact that the cap hit's going to go up, that that the Ducks have to to cover for next year. Then obviously after that he goes back down for the final two years. But uh, I, I still think it was the right move for the Ducks at this point. It's not like Corey Perry's gone to Dallas and, and, and lit it up and, and shown the Ducks what they're missing. And Maybe he does yeah. that. You know, He's only played, I think, five or six games so far this year, so so maybe he turns it around, but even if he does, the Ducks needed to make room for these young players to get experience now. Like we said, they, they don't have you know an infinite amount of time, like some of the younger teams out there, to let these guys develop and develop as a group. They've got some older core players in there that are about to, about to approach or are approaching or are in their prime at this point, so... I, I think it, it's, you know, a little bit more testy for the Ducks to try and keep a guy like Corey Perry around. I don't think Dallas Akins would have brought much more out of him, maybe a little bit more. Maybe he gets more opportunities with a, with a coach like Dallas oh, Akins, yeah. but... Uh, I wouldn't I just... even say
1: that. Yeah, I wouldn't even say that because I, I would feel like, you know, they roll four lines now where Corey Perry got to play a lot more minutes... Um, you know in, in past seasons now he'd have less time it's a faster game um i mean maybe he can still make a pest of himself but other than that i mean the way the ducks play now Cory pair really doesn't fit into that that style that eakins does so eakins
2: uh next question we have is from nz sniper 94 on instagram he said are we slowing down uh you could take that two ways uh, yeah. i to really take it. Are the uh, in in general sense of, of the Ducks' hot start, not their their actual pace of play. Um, started the season what it was six two and zero, and then now lost three straight, mm. so they're six five and zero. Do you think they're slowing down and maybe regressing to what their their regular like what their uh, potential is for this season instead of overexceeding?
1: They're getting chances, and that's all I really care about. Um, there's gonna be learning curve along the way so um there's there's still going to be those games where you know y- you make a bad play you make a bad decision you're learning a new style with a new coach for the most part so you're going to have those bumps in the road because they're they don't have a ton of NHL experience a lot of the guys um you know the younger ones that they're counting on to try and get a little bit more offense right now our offense is struggling I think power play is really struggling, even though we scored. We scored like one second left on that power play, Um, and it was kind of a broken play. So, you know, the the special teams has to get a lot better. Our goaltending is going to, you know, stay solid, I think, this year because we're not giving up the horrific chances of of last year. So I think this year we're going to get the chances. We just have to convert a little bit more. Execution's a little bit off. It is early in the season. It is a new style, and there are new faces in there. It'll all start meshing a little bit better, I think, as the season moves forward. So, as long as we can stay healthy and we're staying on the path, as long as we're getting chances to score, eventually, they should, probability says we should start scoring more goals. Last two games sucked because Cam Talbot just pulled saves out of his. Of his butt, And then this one, it was just like we couldn't buy one against Bishop. So it's just he turned it on when we were the most dominant. That's when all of a sudden he he became Ben Bishop again. We just could not find ways to get through, and that'll happen throughout a season.
2: On the topic of scoring more goals, uh, this is a question that me and Pat covered, I believe, either on the last show or the show before that. I think it was last show. Uh, Hunt J. Justin says, Do you think we might get Taylor Hall? Now yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of loop you into what me and Pat were discussing about. Uh, Taylor Hall has got one year left on the $6 million contract, uh, and I believe the article we'd referenced from Sportsnet was talking about how the Ducks could bring him in as a rental for this year. We talked, we, we said pretty much that, and I think you would agree, that that's Bob not Murray. a Bob Murray move to nope. bring a, a guy like that <laughs> on a rental. So, yeah. scratch the rental, because we don't think that would happen, but would you trade for Taylor Hall and sign him to an extension? Now, you would think he would probably get a seven year extension past that, and he is 27 right now, turning 28, so that would bring him to 35 when his contract's done. Would you trade for Taylor Hall on a sign in trade, knowing that that would increase the cost of of the player in a trade as well?
1: No, probably not. Um, From an organizational standpoint and the way the NHL is, let's now, not last year, the year before. He had the amazing season, but that was that was it. That was his amazing season, and he's been all right. He hasn't been bad, you know. Since then, it was a nice change of scenery, getting out of Edmonton and being in New Jersey. Uh, but you're going to mortgage the farm. I mean, you're going to have to give up quite a bit for New Jersey to let him go, and then you're going to have to sign him for seven, you know, six or seven years at. So what, seven, eight million a year, something like that? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense on the duck side of things. Uh, the rental doesn't make a whole lot of sense on the duck side of things. They they figure something else out. I think they could probably find a better deal somewhere else. And when you have a big name like that, you tend to overpay. And Bob Murray does not like to overpay. And especially on a guy who's 27 and you want to carry him, hopefully, what, he comes back and does what he did two years ago. Yeah. Pr- probably not going to happen, and I mean it's it's hopeful. Be as optimistic as you want, but that's a whole lot of optimism to to get behind for seven years. So I, I, I would decline that. Yeah, the the chat seems to, seems to to agree.
2: <laughs> Daniel says no. Uh, Coach Blood says no in a more uh, <laughs> in a way that uh, I'm not going to mention on the show. King and I can't do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Brett said if we're playoff bound, but no, he's been injury prone. Uh, Joshua I think sums it up perfectly he said would he be welcome yes should we get him no mm-hmm. I think yeah. that sums it up perfectly yeah he would be a great addition to this team but a seven year deal probably didn't he'd have north of $8 he'd million. have to
1: be a would know, have to be a rental and it have to be towards the end of the season where the salary cap hit isn't as much um but once again that'd have to we'd have to have serious signs for Bob Murray to want to do that cuz he didn't do it he didn't do it last year the year before that he doesn't make deadline deals he doesn't you know he's either happy with the team he's got or he's not but he's not going to do a trade deadline thing so it's it's a nice thought but it's a pipe dream it just uh, it's not going to not really going to happen it just doesn't make sense on on any sort of front for the organization all
2: right. Last question we have is from uh, Jacob on Twitter. We did have a question from Jason about um, what would the team impact be long term if Manson was down. But we, we covered that in a few other questions yeah. today. But I uh, just wanted to, to shout out Jason for the question. Uh, yes, Jacob said, at which point in the season do the floodgates open and the posts expand ever so slightly? How <laughs> long can a team be so close so often and still not score? When do the floodgates open for the Ducks offense?
1: tomorrow i don't know <laughs> your guess is as good as mine out there we've seen games where we put in uh, enough goals to get free chicken from chick-fil-a but then there's there's a lot of these ones it's six one it's two one that's uh you know the magic number for the ducks is score three goals because the ducks goalies do not give up more than two goals gibson's only done it twice this season um and uh you know i guess boston and nashville so you know and other in those instances the Ducks can just muster up three goals, but yeah, it just seems like right now, everything just seems to be against them, uh, getting those goals. So, you know, just a little bit here and there, um, the fact they're getting chances and this is better than last year when they would only score one goal or two goals. It was like, all right, well we get five chances a game and we got one or two in. that's not too bad. Now it's like, Hey, we're getting as many scoring chances as the other team. And you know, something's kind of in the way. So, law probability eventually everything will catch back up at some point or over the course of a season unless it's one of those seasons where it just like you always have a team that just unexpectedly just shoots 14 percent across the board and everyone's scoring goals and it doesn't make sense but it's not sustainable but it might be for a season so hopefully for the ducks everything kind of starts evening out uh but if it doesn't it could just be one of those seasons where things just do not go your way for puck luck. But it's fun exciting to watch because they are getting those chances.
2: Uh, I, I honestly think uh, the floodgates aren't going to open consistently. I think we're going to get a similar trend to what we've already seen this season where you're going to get a few games here and there where the Ducks look like they, they're going to start scoring they got consistently. It. <laughs> and they, uh, they're going to you know score four and then five one game, six another game. And then we're going to get right back into you know a few games in a row where they score one or two and they don't generate a lot of scoring chances and I think that comes from the fact that you've got four forwards in there who are still kind of learning their way in the game and aren't consistent scorers in the league yet you know your hottest forward Adam Henrique is not going to consistently score five goals across ten games for the rest of the year that's not going to happen Uh, you know Ricard Vercal and Jakob Silverberg I think they have the potential to keep doing well Uh, Ryan gets off with less minutes like the uh, he's been getting less minutes than he did last year that's going to make an impact on his production as well so you're going to see you know the talent is there for them to break out every now and then or to have a stretch where they do really well but there's not going to be this moment in the season you know that game 21 where the Ducks just start scoring goals and that continues for the rest of the year that that happens with teams who are top 10 offenses in the league where they can consistently score like that the Ducks if everything goes right or you know maybe a top 20 between top 15 and 20 offense if everything goes right uh, and I think uh, realistically, they probably finish around 20, 21, 22 in goals for per game when they get to the end of the year. And honestly, that's an improvement. They were dead last hell last of an year. improvement from last if year. You jump yeah. up eight spots from from last year. You know, obviously, 21st, 22nd, 23rd in the league isn't great in offense, but it's an improvement. And it, it means that guys who had off years the year before got better. It means the young guys have come in and at least made somewhat of a difference. And if the Ducks goaltending and defense stays the same, which it looks like it likely is going to, that means more standing points because you've got some more wins as well. So I I don't think it's going to be, you know, an epiphany in the Ducks offense is going to be a top five offense in the league at some point this year, but there's going to be games where they figure it out. We've already kind of seen that
1: already. I think of the power play clicks too. That's a huge one Uh, right now. That's, that's losing us games. We're getting, we're getting chances and it, it's just it's not clicking but once again it's like signs of brilliance and you know plays that look like they're going to start working out for us um you know i think the pucks start going in on the power play then you start looking at maybe a significant jump in that offense because right now if we're losing games two to one or one you know one nothing or three to two or something like that the power play will make all the difference in the world. The fact we only yeah. have two this far in there, I mean, just add a couple more here or there, and what games are we back in all of a sudden? And now our record looks completely different. So, power play struggled out of the gate. Hopefully, that improves. I think our record improves greatly as that improves, which is not earth shattering news, but yeah. uh, the you know if the Ducks can get that solidified, I think it uh, makes a lot of these games a whole lot easier to uh, win.
2: Yeah, if anything, right now is performing, uh, you know, if is unlucky for the Ducks, I think it's the power play because I think they do have two solid units they can put out there. And, and I think it definitely isn't the worst power play in the league. And I don't think it will finish that way. I think it will be somewhat around what they have with their the regular offense at the end of the year. So if mm-hmm. you know if they're going to finish somewhere between 15 and, and 25 in and goals per game, the power play you would hope would finish somewhere in between there too. I don't think it's going to be a nah. top half of the league power play because I just don't think they have the consistent scores to do that. They've got a lot of great passers out there with Raquel mm-hmm. and Getzlaff mm-hmm. and Steele. But they don't have a shooter, and they really haven't earmarked a guy to shoot on the power play yet. They, they just kind of throw it around, and, and whoever gets it, gets it. We saw it on the goal tonight with come Comtois in front of the net. There's no setup guy. You look, you look, know, I always bring this back, but uh, I really like how Buffalo sets up on their power play this year when we talk about power plays. And uh, they have their shooter. And on their top unit, it's Victor Olofsson. They have their guy their setup guy who also can shoot the puck in Jack Eichel and I think that's really important to have a guy who is such a threat to shoot and can score goals for fun and also make the pass and that that throws goalies off, that throws defense off and I think that really works for what the Sabres do and then they got a guy like Rasmus Dallin manning the point single handedly he's got free room to do whatever he want the Ducks could make that work and I've already mentioned this before. You know, you throw a Kempfrau, or Hampus Lindholm up there. You throw a and in, in where Eichel is. And, you know, his his threat to shoot, I think, is just as good if he actually shot mm-hmm. the puck a bit more. And obviously yeah. his passing ability is, is one of the best in the league. And then you throw, you know, one of your lefties over on that side where Olafson is, whether it's Maxim Comtois, which I think would be a great option over there, or if you want to throw Sam Steele over there for another pass option, and then you throw whoever you want down the middle, whether it's uh, Ricard Raquel, or Jakob Silverberg or Nick Ritchie, or Maxim Comtois, like I already mentioned. I think they have the opportunity to make that work, but they seem pretty set in stone in running the typical you know, 2-2-1 type power play or the 2-1-2 type power play. And you know, To be fair, not many teams run a 1-3-1 because it doesn't work for everybody, but I think for the Ducks, I think they have the talent in there to make something like that work.
1: Yeah, just got to get more of those shots through to the goalie and then be a little bit more tenacious and uh, trying to get to those rebounds. I think Nick Ritchie kind of fits in a good spot, taking the Corey Perry angle or, you know, or you Ryan Kessler. I think he, he's, he's got the chance to do pretty well in there. Um, but yeah, like, like you said, it it's shown moments where everything's clicking, those passes are going around and you know, the occasional shot happens, you know, that sort of deal. I'd like to see a little bit more of a, anytime you can take it especially from up high and shoot you cut, you make everybody who's killing the penalty have to turn back around look at where the puck went where that rebound is where their guys are and you start getting them to kind of look back and forth a whole bunch of times that's where things start opening up and hopefully get a little bit more of those scoring chances so room for improvement but they're they're light years ahead of where they were last year couldn't do a, couldn't enter the zone yeah. last year so
2: Tough test coming up uh, this weekend. It is yeah. Colorado on Saturday, and then who do we have? On uh, Vegas after that. Vegas on Sunday. So yeah. two, two probably the toughest road back-to-back, back-to-backs. back to yeah. back. Probably two of the toughest teams they've played all year, and how good yeah. Vegas is, and how well Colorado's playing this year. So that'll be interesting yeah. to see how it goes. Uh, update Saturday show. It will be me and you, I believe, on Saturday. Yes,
1: on Saturday, and
2: yeah. then Sunday it's me. And uh, I've got my buddy from the hockey writers, Anthony Chodeli, who's going to be joining the show and co-hosting that show because Jason and Pat are unavailable. So we will be having back. The I'll week be in show. a
1: hockey tournament for charity. So yeah, Saturday. Saturday
2: that. is fifty-fifty right now <laughs> because I. Should be available Saturday, but we're going to to see how things go. So if for some reason we end up not having a show Saturday, uh, both games will be covered on Sunday. But we'll update you guys uh, with that on social media as as that kind of develops. Uh, i got to give a shout-out to Cool Hockey again. Uh, They just today got the Ducks third jersey. So if you're looking to go out and buy one, make sure you go to coolhockey.com. Try our code FM20. Uh, I believe Ricky or somebody in the chat two shows ago said it didn't work in the summer when they tried it. I I went in there and I tried to to update it and see. You can check if it works now. If it doesn't, then just send us a message and we'll go in there and try and fix it. Uh, But make sure uh, you go to Cool Hockey and check it out because they're they're gracious enough to sponsor our Forever Mighty Three Stars leaderboard, uh, which 45 minutes before puck drop. You can enter in three predictions for that night's Ducks game. You get points on our leaderboard and whoever has the most points at the end of the month wins a free customized jersey from cool hockey it's like a 250 300 value and all you have to do is answer three questions on twitter before the ducks game and i know most of you if i mean if you're in here you're probably on twitter you probably follow us on twitter so if you're not uh, participating in that contest you're missing out with a pretty pretty good free chance at, at winning a jersey uh patreon we just released our rant show we have oh. a pucks and brews show coming up and mm-hmm. uh, we have a game show that is going to be sometime before the end of the season. It's called the Bobby's Bargain uh, Bin Game not Show. End of the
1: season, end of the month.
2: <laughs> I was looking forward to Lucas pisa coming back because that would have been yeah. perfect for the Bobby's Bargain Bin Game Show. But of course, yeah. now he's, he's in uh, in Winnipeg. but we could still do it because he he was sure, at some point.
1: But, <laughs> it was an uh, attempted uh, bargain Bob thing. <laughs> but yeah,
2: that that will be coming out. So if you want to, if you like our show, if you like this show, and you want to get some more content and you want to support this show as well. Uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash mighty and check out all the bonus content over there. If you want a hat like the one Jason's wearing as well, if you subscribe to the $10 tier, you get a hat just sent out to you. Uh, we also have koozies and lanyards that are part of the rewards right now that we're in the midst of ordering. Those will be sent out to current Patreon members and any, obviously anybody new who signs up as well. So a lot of, a lot of great stuff if you guys want to support yeah, the show and get, and get some extra content. But,
1: especially uh, if you're a lanyard enthusiast. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: uh, or if you want a, you want a hat because right now, actually, I think we still have one hat available on the website. Yeah,
1: if you have a medium sized head, we and have and you hat want a snapback. If you have a medium sized head and you want a
2: snapback, <laughs> so, uh, go to forevermighty.com, dot com. Go to the shop <laughs> and you can get the last hat that we have available until we order new hats because apparently everybody wants fitted hats. So they sold out pretty quickly. <laughs> I think they sold out. We had about eight of them and they sold out in the first night and a half and then the snapbacks have just been kind of slowly going here and there. Uh, somebody yeah. asked the other day hoodies and t-shirts. We're working on them. I don't know how close they are to coming out. It, it really all comes down to inventory and money for us and being able to purchase that inventory and get that out to you guys, but it's it's definitely something we're aware of and we know mm-hmm. the demand's there. We're just uh, we're just working on it. So make sure you check I, out I the want market. a shirt
1: too. So. Yeah, so <laughs> so do I. Uh, right. Make sure
2: you check out the website for, for for everything for the podcast, all the ways to listen, and uh, follow us on Twitter for any updates. And we'll be back on hopefully Saturday, if not Sunday.
0: All right. Phone plans, streams, and standard definition. Programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See CricketWireless.com
1: for details.